Book Three, Chapter Three of Lady Bridget in the Never Never Land by Rosa Prayed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. But she had only gone a few steps when out of the gadea scrub came Ulla the half caste, her comely face bruised, her eyes wild with grief and terror, her head tied up in a blood stained strip torn from Lady Bridget's lacy undergarment, a gaily flowered kimono hanging in dirty shreds upon her brown bosom. White Mary, lathy chap, she cried. Plenty poor fella Oola, plenty quick me run. Me want him catch lathy chap before policeman come. That fella policeman take Wombo longer jail. Mythus, the gin implored. Butcher you. Mythus tell policeman Wombo plenty good black fellow. No take Wombo longer jail. What has Wombo been doing? asked Lady Bridget. Did he steal the gun? Yowie. Yes. Wombo plenty frightened longer old husband belonging to me. And Oola dropped and knocked her head upon the ground, wailing the ear-piercing death-wail of the Australian native women. Oola, you must stop howling, said Bridget, alive to the seriousness of the situation. Has Wombo shot your husband with our gun? Yowie, Mithis, that fella husband altogether bong. Dead. From Oola's broken revelations, Bridget pieced the story. It appeared that the tribe had followed in hot pursuit of the fugitives, and, knowing his peril, Wombo had sneaked up to the head station in the darkness, possessed himself of an effectual weapon, and fled away with the gun. The offended blacks had discovered the guilty pair on the outskirts of Breeza Downs, and Oola's husband, with a company of braves, had attacked their gunya. Then, to quote Oola, "'That fellow husband throw spear at Wombo, hit Oola longer cobra,' head, with Nullanulla. Him close up carry off Ulla. My word. Wombo catch him fofo. Plenty quick husband belonging to me. Tumble down. And Ulla wailed anew. Where's Wombo now? Bridget asked. Black fella yan. Run. Along a polis man. Polis man close up black man's camp. That fella Harris catch him Wombo. Fetch him longer Tanambaro jail. Mine think it stopped tonight, Mungar. Close up station now. Lady Bridget at once saw through the affair. Here was Harris taking a legitimised revenge on Wombo, and doubtless also on herself. Clearly he had been patrolling the Breeza Downs boundaries in search of unionist incendiaries, and seizing Wombo instead, had acted promptly without waiting for a warrant or consulting McKeith. Wombo would be charged at the township with theft of the gun and murder of Ulla's husband. To a certainty he would be hanged if the matter ran its ordinary course that it should not do bridget declared within herself if she could by any possibility prevent it the half-caste woman and the white lady went swiftly through the gadea scrub towards the head station at the gully crossing maule on his way back from the tailing mob overtook them and dismounting walked with lady bridget to the house she forgot then all the scene of last evening told him the black story begged him to help her in the rescue of wombo he reflected for a minute or two we're up against harris he said and harris has a grudge against all of us but harris feels some respect for my knowledge of constabulary law which i take it is pretty much the same in most countries where there are white settlers and native races she looked up at him letting him feel that she was relying on his astuteness and his strength he went on ninnis is mustering with mungar bill and the others a good way off and they're camping out tonight. that leaves only joe casey and the other extra hand Ninnis put me in authority here. Somebody has got to take command, and it must be either you, Lady Bridget, or myself. Perhaps I'm the best qualified of the two. 
she laughed shakily in assent anyway i fancy that i know how to deal with this sort of affair better than you do he said will you let me manage it my own way she nodded i suppose i may assume that your husband left me in a position of some responsibility and if i seem to be taking too much on myself or on the other hand deferring too much to harris you'll trust me and not interfere there was no time for discussion had she wished to go against him oola was shrieking and pointing frantically to the track down from the upper slip rails along which harris and his prisoner were to be seen riding the police inspector uniformed burly triumphant exhaled the majesty of the law as he rode slightly in advance leading the black boy now as they pulled up at the fence wombo presented a sorry spectacle a spear wound in his left shoulder a spear graze on his leg his wrists handcuffed and his feet tied to the stirrup iron with cords so tight that they cut into his tough black flesh harris dismounted tied wombo's horse securely to the veranda post and then made his statement which coincided with bridget's idea of what had happened it was too late to push on to tunumburra he proposed to lock up his prisoner at moongar for the night could he have the hide house not long before the police inspector had locked up a horse-stealer whom he had in charge in the hide house for a few hours while he took a meal to bridget it seemed an irony that wombo should be imprisoned in the very room he had so lately shared with his stolen gin she was quivering with indignant pity at the sight of the sores on the black boy's legs made by the rawhide thongs and oola who had crept up the off side of the black boy's horse was wailing anew mole checked with a look the angry protest on lady bridget's lip and answered the police sergeant in her stead why certainly i'm sure her ladyship won't object you'll let me see to that for you lady bridget and as she bowed her head he addressed harris again mr ninnis and most of the others are camping out to-night on the run and i seem to be the only responsible man in the place of course you know that mr mckeith asked me to stop and help look after things for lady bridget if necessary then he complimented harris genially upon his zeal you've got your warrant i suppose he asked incidentally the police sergeant looked a little uncomfortable well fact is i wouldn't waste time going back to breeza downs head station for that mr mckeith's there and they had a bit of an alarm those unionist skunks tried to fire the shed one night but no particular damage was done and they've dispersed but windet is in such a fright of their making another attempt on his head station that he's pushing the imported shearers on with the shearing for all he's worth and keeps any man he can get hold of on guard night and day round the house and sheds while well, I and my lot have been doing a bit of riding after Unionists. Now, if you please, we'll have the key of the hide-house, concluded Harris. I'd like to get my prisoner stowed away safe before I take an hour's spell myself. I'm pretty well knocked up, I can tell you. No sleep at all last night watching that nigger who was tied up to a gum-tree, and I've been in the saddle all day. More proffered the usual refreshment with a deprecatory reference to Lady Bridget, who stood stonily apart. Then, on pretext of getting the key of the hide-house, he had a few words with her in the office. "'I'm going to take care of this,' he said, as she gave him the key of the padlock which secured the hide-house door, and he forthwith fastened it to the ring of his watch-chain. "'Of course, you want the black boy to escape.' "'I shall let him out myself,' she answered. "'That would only make McKeith more angry. I have a better plan, in which you need not be implicated.' "'I would rather do it myself,' she said. "'I'm not afraid.' If it had been possible, I would have cut those horrible thongs straight away and let the poor wretch get into the bush. He'll be safe at the head of the gully in the Gidea scrub. I promise you that he shall be safe in the Gidea scrub before sunrise tomorrow. Trust me. She shook her head. 
but I can't take services from you after. She began hastily and then stopped. You call that a service? Yes, to humanity, if you like. Oh, I know, after yesterday evening. Now you blame me for being true to myself. All that has got to be settled between us, Bridget, for good and all. I thought it out as I rode behind the tailing mob today. But for the moment, he fingered the key agitatedly. Bridget, you must let me do this thing for you. Don't refuse me that small privilege, even if you deny me all others. She wavered, yielded. Very well. You can manage it better than I could. So I will accept this last favour. The first, not the last. What have I done but cause you pain, if you knew the torture I have been going through? He checked himself. She was staring at him, half frightened, half fascinated. No, no, there must be an end. Yes, there must be an end. Later on we'll decide what the end is to be. He went out to the veranda carrying the key. Bridget did not follow him. She had no power either to resent or to compel him. She sat waiting. When, after about a quarter of an hour, he came back, she was still in the office as he had left her, seated by the rough table on which were the station log, the store book, and branding tallies. He came in triumphantly, exhibiting the key. Harris wanted to take possession of this. It was lucky I had put it on my chain. However, he's satisfied that Wombo is securely locked up, and an extra glass of grog, and a hint that, as he hasn't provided himself with a warrant, there's no obligation on him to stand over his prisoner with a loaded gun, eased his mind of responsibility. The man is in a beast of a temper, though. He evidently expected to be entertained down here. I hope Mrs. Hensor will give him a good dinner. He insists on sleeping in the little room off the store veranda, where he says he can keep watch on the hide-house. I suppose it's all right. Bridget nodded. I'll tell Maggie. Maule asked for ointment, with which to dress the black boy's wounds and abrasions, and she gave it and left him. The afternoon was drawing in. Then came the sound of the herded beasts being driven to the yard at sundown, and by and by of Joe Casey's stock-whip as he got up the milkers. The short-handedness and disturbance of Harris's arrival made everything late, and the goats which should have been penned by now were busy nibbling at the passion vines on the garden fence. But all this made little impression on Bridget's preoccupied brain. She had the thought of that coming interview with Moore before her. Oola's continuous wailing was an affliction, and she gave the half-caste a blanket and some food, and told her to camp on the further side of the hide-house, where, with eyes and ears glued by turns against the largest chink between the slabs, she might see and speak to the prisoner. End of Book 3 Chapter 3